0: It is Wednesday, November 23rd, and it is Thanksgiving Eve. I'm sure by the time that this episode is published, you will be comatose and sweating gravy out of all of your pores. So I hope that you had a good holiday, and I hope that you got to spend it with some loved ones and that you have a whole lot to be thankful for. On today's episode, I'm joined by my friend Kevin Sharkey. Kevin's been mentioned in a few of the episodes so far. He's been to... Asia with me twice, uh, and he's kind of my travel guru. Kevin's also a motorcycle rider, uh, music maker slash guitar player. He's a mental health practitioner, and he's he's kind of my Yoda, or maybe my my Mr. Miyagi. And whenever we travel anywhere, uh, people think. Mostly because I look so young, but people think that Kevin's my dad, and (laughs) I know that embarrasses you, Kevin, so I'm sorry. Uh, It looks like I will be in Tennessee at the end of December. I'm definitely going to be in Nashville. Might also be in Memphis, I'm not certain, but if you have any recommendations for your favorite barbecue spot, the best place to go listen to music... Or anything that's within a few hours driving distance from either of those cities, I would love to hear from you. You can reach out to me through my email, through my Instagram, or any of that stuff that I always talk about. All right, short and sweet intro today. Right after the music, you will hear my conversation with Kevin. Thanks, folks. <laughs> All right, I'm here with my buddy, Kevin Charkey. Hi,
1: <laughs> Kevin. Hey too.
0: Kevin is my friend and travel companion <laughs> and mental health guru, <laughs> Buddha, and an all-around good guy. So thanks for coming on today, Kevin. Oh, my pleasure. Thank
1: you, Tim. Happy to be here.
0: Now, you... So I had done a lot of traveling throughout the U.S., and I had done a little bit of international travel, but it was really hanging out and talking with you and Alex in the Vietnamese (laughs) place in Bay Ridge, like us sitting there with Big Tim and hearing all your stories and getting jealous is what prompted me to take the plunge and start traveling around. So I want to thank you for
1: that. Oh, my pleasure. Really glad to inspire you. (laughs) That's really awesome.
0: (laughs) So I want to get into your first time going to Asia, but first (laughs) I have to... I have to ask you about this summer. So I'll give you my quick summary and then you can go more into depth for me. Okay. But when I saw you, oh no, it wasn't even after the summer. It was um, last spring. It was last spring. Yeah. So it was after the spring uh, yeah, yeah, and I saw <laughs> you. And your foot had thirty holes in it. <laughs> yeah, so, that, that you know. was a trip to Jamaica. <laughs> tell me, tell me about that.
1: Okay, um, <laughs> well, first of all, uh, went the during the break, the last week of April, down to Negril, Jamaica, which is m- one of my most favorite places in the world, and um, been going there for many years. Matter of fact, turned my sister and brother-in-law onto it. It was their eighth trip. Uh, her oldest daughter and her husband, my niece and husband, it was their second trip. And How was many like, times have you been there? It was something like almost my 30th trip over the years. I absolutely. The 30th? Yeah. To Jamaica? Yeah. Whoa. I, I love the place. I didn't know that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. It's home. Matter of fact, I know locals there. And. It's, when I get there, it's like, ah, oh, welcome home. It's great.
0: Wow, I had no idea it
1: was that I many. Love it. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. It's, it really is one of my <laughs> most favorite places. And it's changed a lot over the years. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> um, there are places, well, uh, I mean, for those of you that have been there, it, you don't need a description, you know. But um, if you've never been there, When I used to start going years ago uh, with my buddy Joe and with somebody else before that, it was the kind of place where when you got there, there was no communication with the outside world. There was one phone booth in town that people got online for. So you were really off the grid. We're talking like 80s or 90s? Uh, Like 85 or so. I think was the first or second trip there. Uh, And then we went like every spring with some guys and rented bikes and rented places from the the Lawrence family to stay. Um, There's still a couple of them left up on the cliffs, the Lawrences. Uh, But anyway, when you get into town, it's a seven mile stretch of white sand beach, completely calm Caribbean water beautiful nothing can be built over the palm trees so nothing's higher than two stories and then you hit town which is a a tiny little concrete circle basically in a plaza and then you start then the road starts climbing the cliffs which are just unbelievable the sun sets there every night people run up to rick's cafe although that's gotten a little more commercial over the years um bloody bay before you get into town the first time we went there we that's appropriate Well, that's where the, actually the whaling ships used to oh, okay. slice up the whales. It was bloody wow. day. Um, when we whales got, it,
0: around Jamaica in, in the warm it, Caribbean water?
1: Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Um, it was completely empty. It was desolate beach when we used to first go there. Wow. So we'd rent on and off the road bikes, which I always rent when I go, and we were riding on the beach. That was just fantastic. Now it is um all all inclusive after all inclusive (laughs) (laughs) and there's basically that that bay's gone now it's just hotels but that's the way it goes um but it's still it's still an incredible place there's still shacks on the beach and nice little jerk chicken shacks Mm -hmm. to eat at and matter of fact the same band we used to see at the bus year after year after year is now at bourbon and uh we went there a couple of years ago, and actually, my brother and, I, and Laura and I got up on stage and hung out with the band. So, Sweet. <laughs> and they, we talked about the old days. That was fun. So, anyway, um, as you go up the cliffs, there's a place that I used to go with my buddies years ago where you could just hang on the cliffs and swim, and somebody would be selling beers, and, and the water, you climb down the cliffs and snorkel and swim. It's just unbelievable. That's now been taken over by a restaurant slash hotel. Jesus. That's there, the Rock Houses, where mm. you could actually rent your own little ledge on a cliff with a hut, with a uh, um, what do you call a ladder down to the water. It, I mean, it really is beautiful. Oh, okay. So, in my sister's travels, she also made friends, and she made friends with this guy Flava, who works at the Rock Houses. Uh, he's a waiter, really cool guy. I got to meet him last trip a few years ago, and we got much closer this trip, and I'll <laughs> explain why in a second. <laughs> um, Rock Houses is a nice, fancy fancy restaurant, one of the nicer ones in the grill, although if anybody needs recommendations, <laughs> Catch and <laughs> Falling stars is a beautiful romantic dinner if you're there with your honey or whatever. But... Um, So what it is, it's actually on the rocks, and you have flickering torches in the evening and tables set up for dinner, Um, but you could, there's stairs down to kind of like these low-lying rocks where you could basically slip into the water. So our group was hanging there, and we were ordering food, we were ordering drinks, we were hanging out in the late afternoon, and we were swimming. Now, you can see all over the rocks sea urchins, the black spiny sea urchins everywhere, (laughs) right? And um, like I said, I had been going many times. I never considered this, but my sister got a hook in her foot her last trip. So they all came with water shoes and I was like, nah, I've been swimming there many times. I don't need water shoes.
0: Do you, do you mean a hook, like a fishing hook or a spine from a... No,
1: spine. Uh, there's straight spines and there's oh, hook, hook spines. Ones. There's curvy spines.
0: So this is the point if you're listening where you pause, you go to Google <laughs> and you put in sea urchins so that you can see how crazy they look. Yes.
1: Google it before you go. <laughs> um, it's Consider the scuba diving accident. (laughs) Anyway, uh, she had a hook in her foot and Flavor had to dig it out for her last year. Oh, my God. Right? So she was definitely bringing water shoes. Uh, They all brought water shoes. I didn't need that.
0: Did they warn you and you were just like with bravado? No, they warned me. I was
1: all bravado. (laughs) I mean, hey, I've been that 30 times. I've been all over the planet in different places. Mm -hmm. I've swung and swum some swam in some crazy places. Shark you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and all kinds of stuff. So anyway, so we're swimming, we're hanging, we're drinking, we're eating, we're having a great time. There's people on the ledge above us having fancy dinners. We're down there in our bathing suits, carrying on having a good time I got in the water two times I swam I got out no incident and I said ah one more time the sun's starting to go down this there is time's beautiful a charm, buddy. yeah I learned that the hard way so um, I'm swimming I'm floating along I'm swimming next to my sister I mean it's just you know beautiful and it's heaven is paradise and i see them drifting towards this big rock that's jutting out in the water so i said oh i better swim away from it and i start stroke you know stroking and kicking and my foot hit the rock so i said oh crap i think i just gashed my foot open that's what it felt like like i sliced it open and the rocks were pretty sharp so i climb out i climb up to the first level my bro- brother-in-law is sitting there on the ledge and i take a look and there's Over 30 black things poking out of my foot. I got attacked by a sea urchin. So, what do they look like? like are they, it are looks they... like a porcupine. My foot looked like a porcupine. So, are they long coming out of your foot? Different lengths. Okay. There were <laughs> some that were actually, oh, an inch and a half Oof. or something. Some were much smaller, half an inch, a quarter inch. I had a variety of sizes sticking out of my foot. Um, they covered the entire bottom of my left foot, the heel. And and they got into my toes also. Oh. Yeah, this was not fun, and they were bleeding. So like, it was ugly. <laughs> it was like, really I, ugly. Man. I would think to start like pulling at them, like do like. Well, um, I didn't know what to do, and uh-huh. there was so many; it was overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> and my brother in law was already volunteering to pee on my foot. Um, <laughs> And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> you know? So he's a tall guy. I'm <laughs> hanging off his shoulder and hopping on my good foot up the steps. We get to the restaurant where everybody's eating dinner. And then we hop to the front of the restaurant, kind of where the entrance is off the road. At which point, we called over Flavor, He runs in the back. All the cooks come out. Now it's a whole scene. They bring me out, and everybody's got an opinion, and everybody wants to see it. Cut it off. (laughs) Well, that's what I was getting worried about. It was a spectacle. So um, the guy, they bring out a pink bucket and they fill it with warm vinegar and tell me to soak my foot, which I did for an hour and a half. My sister ran across the street. And nobody had tweezers. I I was hoping we could just pluck them all out. She runs across the street, cuts a deal with one of the vendors in the little hut shops across the street, buys a pair of tweezers. As I'm trying to pull them out, they're dissolving. They're disintegrating like the piece that's hanging out which leaves the other but, part in your foot exactly like, oh, God. so this is not going well <laughs> and and everybody's around me now <laughs> you know? plus i got my sister who's actually a nurse and has been through this freaking out <laughs> you know? my niece just pacing going ah, you know? which was really helpful um <laughs> matter of fact there's a really cute maitre d' Fiona who came and, and I, I want to see your foot, man. I want to. She takes a look. She was like, oh. I don't want to see it anymore. <laughs> she walks away. So the cooks keep coming out. There's lots of advice. We keep soaking. We try to pull some out. A couple actually fell out in the bucket. I was getting optimistic. But no, after an hour and a half, it was clear. They weren't coming out. They weren't pulling out.
0: Now, so, what are we talking about
1: in terms of pain? Uh, Hi. (laughs) (laughs) I was a little anesthetized, which was very helpful. (laughs) I highly recommend it. Um, But yeah, I mean... Because they have venom in them. They do have venom in them. Um, So there was a lot of adrenaline and fear pumping through Mm me also because... Essentially that was what the vinegar was for and allegedly the peeing on the foot thing, which my brother in law and his usual I think he, <laughs> kept I think, insisting that it could have he been would, a
0: hangnail and I think he, would have said he
1: was gonna do that. So yeah, we actually what we found out during all of this excitement is that you can't pee on your own foot, that doesn't work. What? Yeah, your own pee, your own body chemistry allegedly doesn't work. This is what the cooks were so telling us. It has to be us. someone else's urine. Yeah, and they were prefer they were recommending preferably a woman pee on your foot. <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> so I'm not sure there's real science bizarre. behind that. <laughs> anyway, but you know, I was soaking in vinegar. <laughs> um, So it got to the point of where clearly this was not getting resolved at the restaurant. Of course, my anxiety level was going up because now this (laughs) is starting to become a long term project and I'm disabled. Uh, in Jamaica, by the way, um, medical care in Jamaica, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure in Montego Bay, they, they probably have a couple of hospitals and in Kingston, but in Negril, <laughs> it's sort of non-existent. Um, matter of fact, <laughs> the big joke for years when I was going with my friends... Was in the little plaza in the middle of town. There's on the second floor. There's a sign that's basically white with a red X. (laughs) Looks like a red cross sign, and it's Doctor Be Ready. (laughs) I I kid you not, Doctor Be Ready. Which, of course, nobody's ever visited that I know or in my travels. Because you'd be dead if you (laughs) probably. And we'd always goof on it. Uh, And here I am actually thinking, should I go to Doctor Be Ready? I'm starting to get a little desperate. so what we did was they they gave me the bucket. <laughs> they gave me some towel. Well, no, towels were in the room. They gave me the bucket, and they gave me like a jar full of vinegar to take home. And our friend Flavor, who was also helping out, he was off the next day. He was going to come and visit us anyway and hang out with us. So he said, oh, I'll come tomorrow, man. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. No problem. All right, cool. So I had some hope. right. <laughs> And he had been through this because he actually got one in the heel of his foot the week before and dug it out himself. Ooh. And the next day, I'm skipping ahead, but the next day he showed it to me and he had like this valley in the heel of his foot. It was deep. He was, also had a hook one.
0: I was going to say, when you say
1: dug out, we're talking with, a, with pain, a knife, with a needle, with... Well, he used a knife. Holy on his, crap. I mean, you know, it's... You, you're... <laughs> you're cutting out chunks of meat. Oh. Yeah, no. yeah. It's not fun. It's not fun. So basically, <laughs> <laughs> I did my best to anesthetize. We, we got back to the hotel. Um, we were staying at the treehouse. Awesome place. Uh, luckily, our, it's, it's these octagonal buildings with these wraparound porches. We are on the second floor. So my brother-in-law talked to the guard in the back. We drove in through the back. And I always rent a bike, like I said, when we go down there. But this year, my sister and brother-in-law decided to rent a minivan, (laughs) which was embarrassing enough, although it really came in handy because I couldn't have rode the bike back this time. But anyway, so he drives back. He helps me up the stairs. We get to the porch. We're hanging out. Um, I eventually... Soak my foot a little more. Try to pull some out. Um, wrap a blanket in vinegar. Uh, wrap a towel up, a vinegar soak towel. Wrap it around my foot with a belt. My brother-in-law helped me out, and tried to go to sleep like that, which was not the most restful sleep. And I was <laughs> kind of freaked out. You know, is my foot gonna blow up? Because they're gonna- still in
0: your hanging out of your foot. Oh,
1: most of them are in my foot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I'm I going to lose my foot. Like I'm in Jamaica, you know, and, and of course I'm on vacation. So, you know, I want to get back to vacation. Right. Anyway, so, uh, get up the next day and my sister's trying to call Flavor and there's no response. And we talk to the desk and they're like, well, we do have a doctor you could try. <laughs> it didn't sound hopeful. Um. Spent a couple of hours and I'm starting to think these got to come out today. I can't go through another night. Plus, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to my foot. And this fun Jamaica trip, I don't want it to, I don't want it to turn into losing a foot. So, (laughs) you know, and after all the other trips I've taken in the wilds of Thailand and things (laughs) like this, it's Jamaica that does (laughs) me. in. so, anyway, so... um, Eventually, Flavor does get in touch. He does show up, and he's like, yeah, man, I'm here. I told you I'm going to take care of you, man. I'm going to take care of you, man. I'm like, yeah, you know, you sure? Should I go to a doctor? No, man, don't go to a doctor, man. They're going to slice open each one and really mess up your foot. I do it, man. I do it. And he did. Um, Now, like I mentioned before, my sister's a nurse. He slaps on some latex gloves. And she asked him, is there going to be blood? (laughs) And he's, oh, yeah, There's going to be a lot of blood, man. (laughs) It's like, okay. (laughs) So so we're sitting on the porch. I got my foot up on a chair. He pulls open over another chair. I have this swing with, like, kind of a wooden edge I'm holding with my right hand. I'm holding a chunk of wood with my left hand. My brother-in-law had a bladder of um, Crown Royal, that I'm guzzling at that point, and so is Flavor, because he's getting ready for field (laughs) surgery. So we're doing shots now. (laughs) And he starts. I had a uh, safety pin and some antiseptic soap and a tweezer and a lighter. These were our medical instruments. So essentially, he had to do one by one. Oh, God. (laughs) He would flick it back and forth to make an opening, and some, with the pin? Uh, uh, with the pin, and then try to pull it with the tweezer and also squeeze it with his two thumbs to try to get it to push up. So he kept working on each one separately. It He worked on me for an hour and a half. Um, it was horribly painful, <laughs> <laughs> like seriously hurt, <laughs> really. It was field surgery with very basic tools. With a guy who is not a surgeon. (laughs) With a guy who's nowhere near a surgeon, although he did have some experience with sea urchins. Now, the funny thing was they told me that a lot, like people at the Rock House, apparently this happens all the time. Yeah,
0: I was thinking that.
1: It happens all the time, but they get two or three. Like five or six is considered a lot. He counted before he started, so this doesn't include the ones I had already managed to get out or fell out in the bucket. He counted 33. That's insane. So that's what was left in my foot when he started. Yeah. It was Yeah,
0: your foot looked like it was hit with like buckshot or something, you know?
1: Buckshot probably <laughs> would have been easier. <laughs> I don't know. It was it was disgusting. <laughs> so uh so he did. He worked on it piece by piece and he was getting them out one by one, and he had so many to go. Obviously some spots were harder, so we would both take breaks, and you know, and then when he was ready, he'd be like all right, man, I'm going in again, bro. <laughs> it's like, all right, <laughs> no! ready, go for it. I'd squeeze the wood and grimace, and, you know, I wasn't biting on a leather belt, but I probably <laughs> should have. And he did. Now, he saved the middle of my foot for last. Oh, God. Because that was the tenderest part. And I'm he sure, said there yeah. were five or six. The first one he pulled out, which I got to tell you, was no picnic. That was really, like, it felt like, <laughs> it, 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 the whiskey didn't help <laughs> Let's put it that way um, He pulled one out And there were more under it And these were the long ones What? So there were some that went All the way up into my foot And then more went in after them so that freaked like- him out actually. <laughs> I'm waiting for my plaque at the Rock House. <laughs> yeah, most spines ever contracted. But he did. He, or at least he thought he got them all out. Of course, I kept obsessively checking for the rest of the trip. But basically, I threw, I mean, we did all of that and then we hung out and, um, we went with him to pick up his son after he was done, after an hour and a half of this, and after we both rested up and had some more whiskey, because um, we really needed it afterwards. But basically, uh, we picked his son up, and all of us went to the rock house and had dinner. I, and I, I, t- I paid for him and his son. That was the least I can do. And I was thanking him for So you you were mobile
0: after that? You you were okay and walking around? Yeah,
1: I mean, it hurt, but (laughs) I said, screw this. I slapped on my flip-flops. Let's get back to the vacation. You know, time's clicking. Now, I was already pissed off because the night before, I had been looking for, this was only about day two or three of the trip, and we were there for 10 days. So the night before was the night that I was counting on to take all of these guys back to uh, Roots Bamboo, which is on the beach, and they have live music on whatever it was, Tuesday or Wednesday night. So we arrived on, I think, Friday or something, or Saturday. I had been waiting for this night for all of us to go to Roots Bamboo. I had been there two years prior and spent almost every day at Roots Bamboo and met one of the singers, and we went at night with the person who I went with at the time. and saw the singer and all that. We had a great time. It was a great place to hang and see music and great music. Uh, but that was the night and that got I spined. spent. spined. <laughs> I got spined. So that night got blown. So yeah, we hopped back into action and went crazy for the rest of the trip. And after, even after I came home, I still found more spines in my foot. And then I found more in my toe when I was pulling them out. And then I went to a foot doctor. And she actually, I waited a few weeks because I had no intention to. And then, of course, she was like, oh, why'd you wait this long? But she was really sweet, and she actually pulled a couple more out. And then sent me for an (laughs) x-ray. Not an x-ray. Yeah, an x-ray. And then an ultrasound. But they couldn't find any more. So either they were small enough and at that point hopefully would dissolve, or Uh they were gone. So I don't really know. But uh, Well, you got a great story out of it. <laughs> and it was still an awesome trip. <laughs> I highly recommend the grill. I am I'm already trying well, to wear figure out shoes. when I'm going back. Yeah. Bring water shoes <laughs> <laughs> that I will break down and say.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. It's not even like you were like stepped on one. You just kicked it and
1: yeah, I pissed one off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a porcupine. He shot his spines into oh, my they, foot. Oh, they they
0: actually like shoot out of it? Yeah. Oh okay.
1: Yeah, I, when I got home, I obsessively researched, <laughs> and still wasn't sure if you know I was okay or not fully. Um, and apparently, it's a scuba diving accident. Yep. People get them all the time, and you know, so now I know what to do.
0: It's funny because I put an article up. Um, we recorded a. Po- I recorded a podcast with my buddy Derek, and we talked about the run-in with the black bear, but I put an article up and it's got, um, the black bear story. A time I was in California hiking with my uncle and there was a mountain lion. And uh, then <laughs> nice. when Tim and I did the tiger sanctuary and the woman got clawed in the face by the tiger. Right. <laughs> but search is a new one. So yeah. we'll, we'll have to add that to our list of, uh, Creepy critters.
1: I, I don't recommend it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Although I will say this, and I know you covered this in a different podcast, but when we hiked up the mountain in out, outside of Luang Prabang, yeah, and I was stepping on thorns and getting them in my foot, yeah. <laughs> It just felt like a small time injury <laughs> at that point. It was like, ah, whatever. I did talk I'll take about take him out when I get back. I
0: talked <laughs> about that, and because you were the first one to lose his shoes or his flip flops. <laughs> yes,
1: um, it, it blew out halfway up the muddy trail of the mountain, so there was really no turning around. I that was point. worried
0: about that—that that we were going to get parasites and like chiggers and things like that in our cuts and stuff.
1: That was my secondary worry after slipping and yeah. breaking Am a limb. <laughs> <Yeah>. Wow! <laughs> so in the middle of Really good trip. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, yes, knock on wood. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think that's a good segue to, um, again, those times where we would just be hanging out and you guys would be telling me about, uh, Thailand and Vietnam and all these amazing adventures. And now yeah. I've been able to do a lot of those things, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. And so rather than talk about some of the trips that we kind of did together, because I've been talking about that a lot, okay. I want to revisit your story about the first time you went to Thailand, because there was a lot of really cool stuff from that.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a long time ago. Um, there was a huge gap between my first trip and my second trip back in 2008. So probably about a 15-year gap or something like that, um, or somewhere around that. But anyway... I had never been to Asia. Always wanted to go to Asia. At the time, I had a buddy who was doing his MBA in Japan, and he was taking a lot of trips throughout Asia. So I got some info from him. I got some info, info from another guy I met who was doing an, who had done around the world. Um, so and I always wanted a big adventure. So this was my time. The moment was right. I booked a three week trip basically bought the uh the plane ticket and that was it and to thailand I, to thailand to bangkok um and had the lonely planet guide oh wow yeah and that's what i was armed with and i did some research but really i i didn't know what i was doing um i mean i had traveled plenty before that but this was my first asia trip i couldn't afford japan at the time because uh, I did make it for a few days in two thousand eight, but and I want to go back. That was fascinating. But uh, I f- I heard that Southeast Asia was much more affordable, and of course it, it is, is as yeah. you found it. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and you could just do so much there on so little. Um, so anyway, booked this round three three week round trip ticket. Um, flew into Bangkok. Had nothing, no hotel, no plan. I just vague idea of where I wanted to go and figured this is going to be an adventure. We'll just see how it unfolds and take it from there. And it sure turned into <laughs> one. Uh, it was unbelievable and led to many other returns and other adventures, as you well know.
0: So you have the plane ticket. And- right. So what's the plan at that point? Land and walk around and find a hotel or what? Well,
1: you know what? So much energy had gone into preparation, meaning like what kind of bag to get and what to pack and what to bring. Basically because I was trying to bring as little as possible, right. but bring what I needed, or at least what I thought I needed and what advice I got. Um, and I looked a lot of stuff up and I didn't realize... That I'd be landing in the middle of the night. Like I hadn't really worked that part out. <laughs> so, uh, remember, this is supposed to be an adventure now. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, it was a nonstop, I mean, not a nonstop, it was a, a layover in, in Tokyo. And in Tokyo, before I got on my next leg, which was to Bangkok, I met a guy who was doing a courier service. Which back in those days was, I think, a little bit easier to do. And everybody was doing it. And uh, it's an easy way to get a free flight. But you can't bring, really bring any luggage. Right. So he was doing it. And he was meeting a friend, this woman who was also doing courier, who was already in Bangkok. And when he got off the plane, it, it, him and I basically sat near each other and talked to Bangkok. So we became friendly and basically he said, well, when we get off the plane, let's go meet my friend. She's got a room for me and I'm sure she'll help you find a room. So we did that. She was very nice and very sweet, but it was the middle of the night in Bangkok. Um, As freaky as that was just to kind of, you know, that feeling where you land on the other side of the planet. Right. Plus it's the middle of the night. And if you've never been there, you know, and you're dealing with your own fatigue, your own freaking out. or anxiety, uh, money, you know, the heat the heat, the <laughs> oppressive heat, right. And just like, oh my God, I'm actually here. So I get off we get off the plane, we I think we took a taxi. We went to Cal Sand Road, the backpacker area, which you, you now know about. Um what was it like back then though? Oh it, it was just as crazy oh, really? but less Less house music. I was (laughs) just going to say less. (laughs) There was a lot more rock going on (laughs) because back then there were like bars you could go. I actually met a rock band when I was there that were also bikers. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, wait. No, that was in 2008. I'm sorry. (laughs) It all blends together. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, those bars were there and I did meet people. Okay. But anyway, so this woman quickly finds me a room now, off of Cal Sand Road, they have the alleyways, right? right. Um, it was much less developed then. Okay. So, I mean, it was very dense and busy, but much kind of less fancy buildings and lower, I wouldn't say low, I mean, nothing about Cal Sand Road's low key, but right. you know, <laughs> it, was, it was more shabby. Okay. It was a little more shabby. Um, so anyway, uh, she finds me this room for two dollars a night, right? And basically, it was a Vietnamese prison cell. It was the opposite of nice. It was basically a a, a square room with chicken fence around the top, in the in this alleyway, uh, with a, a crappy futon bed and a piece of wood hanging off the wall that served as a shelf and I think it had a chair. No fan? No, no nothing. <laughs> the bathroom oh, was across boy. the hall was a communal bathroom which essentially had a hole in the floor and, and a water spigot Right. and then it also had a shower in the same area. It was kind of nasty. So what are you thinking at this point? I'm thinking whoa, <laughs> <laughs> what have I gotten myself into <laughs> um it, it was definitely but, hard to sleep this
0: is weird <laughs> but like it's like shocking and different as that is, it's like there's a, like a sexiness to it that's like a... Oh, yeah. Like, no, I'm, I was starting like, my big I'm adventure. doing something wild here, right? Oh,
1: yeah. No, I was totally into it. It was yeah. like, all right, here we go. <laughs> <You know? laughs> this is awesome. Now, the room was actually down this alleyway before you got to where my <laughs> excuse of a room was. <laughs> there was a tattoo parlor. So every night that I came home, I had to pass the tattoo parlor, which had me thinking, should I get a tattoo in Thailand? And actually, it took, years until this last trip with you to right. I actually acted on it. But <laughs> it's thinking back twenty years. Anyway, so uh that was great. I slept, I got up the next day. It's like, you know, certainly not a room you want to lounge around in, right. you know. And I gotta find money and food and just negotiate this place and figure it out. So I'm walking down Cal San Road, I walked all over Bangkok. I was there for about three days. I mean, I walked everywhere. I took tuk-tuks. I don't think I took taxis that trip, except to and from the airport. Um, and I like walking when I go to foreign yeah, cities. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, we did it in, yeah. in so many places. Um, you know, you, you really get a feel for the place. You get the, the rhythm of the place. Oh, yeah. you, see the, you get the smells and the people. And, and of course, you learn your way around. So, and I'm pretty good at that. I could go to a foreign place and kind of figure out directions real quickly. Um,
0: I mean, it's not foreign, but when I'm in the U.S., I like to go for like a run in the morning in a city that I've never been in. And it's for the same reason. Oh, yeah. It's like you pass, oh, I'm going to go check that out later. And I'm going to check that place. Yeah.
1: You discover stuff that way on the ground. When you're speeding by in a car, you miss all this stuff. Um, Yeah, Absolutely. And I remember I, I still can picture myself walking down San Road the next morning going, I'm on the other side of the planet. I can't <laughs> believe I'm here. I'm on the other side. You're feeling actually kind of freaked out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm half completely freaked out. It's like, oh, my God. And the other half is completely exhilarated and excited which, of course, that half ultimately won out quickly right. as I got more and more into my adventure. And I used a guidebook. I went to, of course, the Grand Palace and Wat Po. Yeah. Uh, just blew me away. I've been back there several times since. We've been there together. Um, Wat Po, I got a Thai massage, which was probably the, one of the most painful massages I've ever had in my life. Was Wat Po with the, with the Sleeping Buddha? What was Wat Po? Um. Yeah, I think it's not the one with the lion the Buddha. Name.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, the one yeah.
1: next to the Grand Palace. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and there was a a big building where they did massage. Oh. There okay. were like beds laid out next to each other. These low kind of massage beds. Oh. Okay. And this little Thai woman girl, uh, basically, did like an hour massage, of deep tissue torture. Um. Hurt like a son of a bitch. I mean, literally, this little woman <laughs> pretty much tortured me and twisted me and prodded me and stuck her fingers into my muscles and stuff. I walked out of there feeling like a gummy bear. I mean, I was just I felt so relaxed and so good after the pain wore off. When you were
0: walking around there back then, was it it as crowded as it is now and as was as many tourists
1: there? It was, but it was a little different. It somehow felt a little less commercialized. I mean, right. Bangkok, uh Thailand's been used to Tourists and coming ever since the GIs, and, okay. and obviously they had travelers before that. Right. But uh, it's changed over the years, but it was always crowded. It was always smoggy okay, and loud and crazy.
0: So uh, you, in, I guess, two years in a row now, you've introduced me to your friend Kim. So this, uh, who oh, is, yeah, she too. lives in Vietnam. She's Vietnamese and English. But this is the trip where you met her, right?
1: Yeah, it was. So I spent a few days touring Bangkok and had a great time, but I knew I had to get out of there after a few days. That much I knew. So I actually uh, figured it all out kind of in the morning after I had already given my laundry in, <laughs> unfortunately. And it was rainy out. Um, they don't use dryers there, <laughs> or at least not. Back then, but, that, um, sorry to interrupt you. But yeah, were, yeah.
0: were you still operating on that a uh, three week timeline, or were you thinking
1: yeah. at that point? Okay, no, no, that was that had to stick to three weeks. Okay, um, so that's why I basically said, okay, today's the day I'm going to Chiang Mai. Gotcha, gotcha. I bought a train ticket for a twelve hour overnight train sleeper. Um, I read, sleep a train, sort of. <laughs> uh, I ran back to my, quote, hotel, <laughs> to my prison cell, grabbed my stuff, went to the laundry place. They basically had to throw all my wet laundry <laughs> into, a, into a plastic bag and hopped in a tuk-tuk and took the tuk-tuk to the train station. And by that point, I had taken a few tuk-tuks, and some of them were like on two out of three wheels, right. at times, taking corners. You know how crazy that gets. <laughs> So I took. I actually took a took took to the train, and not much of that was in English. So I was negotiating, uh, and you want to make sure you get on the right train. <laughs> yeah. And I heard all kinds of stories about the trains. The ride itself was fine. Um, that was an adventure in itself. Uh, what they do is, I uh, at least back then and I think they still do it this way. they I was in a booth, and there was a booth across from me, so there were seats facing each other in each booth. Um, when it comes time to sleep, they fold down something on the first level, and they put a wood plank on the second level, so it becomes bunk beds. So... Uh, not the most comfortable <laughs> and not the warmest either. Uh, it's, you can pay more money and get a nicer car, you know, a nicer room or whatever, it, a sleeper car kind of thing. But, you know, I was doing it cheap then. So, turned out there was this English expat across from me and his Thai wife and her Thai girlfriend. And they were hanging out, and apparently they did this trip often. They were quite comfortable. And they befriended me because they ordered food and alcohol. So they, they invited me over to their table. So I'm sitting with the girlfriend, and he's sitting with the wife. And we're drinking Singha beer, uh, which we were using to chase the moonshine that he had a bottle of, that he bought on the train. So we're doing shots of moonshine, we're drinking beer, and then we're eating all kinds of Thai food. Um, a lot of it I had never seen in my life before. Um, I can't remember what we ate, but it was really good. It was a great experience. Got really buzzed, <laughs> got really drunk, and we retired to our, our respective places. Turns out this guy and his wife owned a hotel in Chiang Mai where I ended up staying. They became my friends for the trip.
0: I was just thinking about something for a second because you were yeah. talking about food and like nowadays on every single corner in Brooklyn, and Manhattan, there are Thai food restaurants. But I guess back in the late 80s or early 90s, there wasn't much, right?
1: Yeah, no, it was like, uh, it was fairly rare.
0: So you hadn't had much experience with that before going to Thailand? No. Okay.
1: No, not really. <laughs> your, your system wasn't prepared for it. <laughs> no. Yeah, that was the other thing—the uh, <laughs> stomach adjusting mm-hmm. to the bugs over there. Not to mention the jet lag. Um, I'm, gonna, the, I'm gonna, I'm
0: gonna, I'm <laughs> gonna blow us up here. Yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna say that we came up with the term, <laughs> the constant maybes, mm, which is that does capture it. Like, <laughs> which basically means. I might have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I don't really know. So you're always in a state of
1: maybe. Like like yeah. how close is the nearest bathroom if I get sick? Every, on that I don't really do it anymore, but on that trip everywhere I went, I every day when I went out, I had a backpack with toilet paper. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I always carry toilet paper with me. That, <laughs> toilet paper and water. It's like, if nothing else, I'm going to... Yeah, no, this is true. And that seems to be a constant that hasn't changed on any of the trips. I I know you've (laughs) had... I've talked about that a little bit, but... I left out all the specifics, <laughs> gory details. <laughs> yeah, I mean, y- you were hurting for like a week just last summer. Yeah, it was, it was bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, I gotta give you credit, man. You went out every day. You still ate. You drank. You did everything.
0: Yeah, and it was this. <laughs> you were a trooper. I, I'm telling you, it was the snails. <laughs> it was the three AM snails.
1: snails and the raw vegetables and because our whatever friends, we ate at that
0: restaurant. <laughs> our friends from Vietnam ordered all this food and then they didn't even eat it. Like there was like the whole skinny fishes with the heads on them that Sam ordered and I'm like, Oh, I want and she's like, No, no, I'm good. Oh yeah, and
1: I was down in those and <laughs> I never eat sardines or anything. They actually seemed good somehow. I guess it was the various Bar stops <laughs> right. we had prior to the three o'clock in the morning snails and I, sitting out those. But just, anyway, <laughs> I,
0: I, I took us on a, a tangent. Here. I don't even know how I
1: did this. Fun memories, well, so, stomach issues. <laughs> that's what you. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, <laughs> for a week. <laughs> so,
0: you. So you told us about the 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 train to Chiang Mai. So oh, then, yeah. also Chiang Mai, you get off. You don't have a hotel or anything yet.
1: I don't. Ha- I had nothing. Nothing booked. Nothing planned. And this is before people were really. There's, there were no smartphones. Right. And the computers were rare. It was like a broken down computer in the lobby of a hotel. If you, if you could even get to that, um, turned out that this couple that I met, the expat and his Thai wife, owned. A hotel, uh, somewhere in Chiang Mai. Although I couldn't tell you now, uh, um, it was all dirt roads back then inside the walled City. I think we were inside the walled City in that hotel, it was or dirt right roads, outside. huh? It was dirt roads um, in that area anyway, uh, and and winding alleyways. So were there tuk tuks, or you had to like take a scooter? well when you got to the main street? Oh, okay. So I ended up renting a room from then them. And I upgraded $4. what I, I went nuts, man. Crazy guy. It actually had a bathroom in the room. <laughs> in the room. Beautiful. Um, except, and it had a toilet with a cistern and a bucket. Yep. It didn't flush. You had to fill it uh-huh. and dump the water <laughs> in. Uh, but, you know, that seemed luxurious compared to my previous room. And it had like a clothes hanger thing, which I eventually figured out Why? because it was raining every day in Chiang Mai. <laughs> I was always drenched. <laughs> but I I booked a room. I, we went there. They settled me in. They were really sweet. They were really great. Um, and that's what I find when I travel. Uh, and, and I'm sure you could...
0: It's a constant theme that's been coming up, yeah. Yeah,
1: you just meet all of these great people. And, you know, in a way, uh, not that you shouldn't... Do some research and do some preparation, and don't be stupid when you travel. But part of it is just kind of like a faith thing. Yep. You know, some people travel and they're real uptight and they have to control every little piece of it. Um, I understand where that could be coming from, but this trip for me, and then subsequent trips, and maybe, and I guess I did this before, it, it, almost like a faith thing. Like some things just need to be left open, or you have no adventure. Right, like that is the adventure. Right, but you got to believe it's going to work out. I mean, not to be stupid about it and do nothing. You got to take care of yourself. But a little bit of it is just kind of just going throwing with the it. dice. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and man. I've
0: been talking about that a lot. I think it's and it's always like that. It is,
1: and some of the greatest times come because
0: of that. Right. You meet someone who tells you about something cool you should go check out or... Absolutely. You do
1: something out of your comfort zone. Absolutely. And that's why when I went back in 2008 and I booked a five-week trip mm. to Vietnam, which was the first time I went to Vietnam, um, I kept extending it. And it became almost four months because I kept finding other things. And that could easily become four years. Oh, yeah. could easily become a lifetime, yeah. Four months was too short. Yeah. I was ready to move there still think about it, but I was ready to move there. I was feeling it. I was submerged in it. Coming home was the unreality. Right. Coming back to this life seemed so strange. But anyway, I divert. No, that's okay.
0: <laughs> um, so you're in Chiang Mai. Tell me about the the trek you did.
1: Oh, okay. Well, right before I get to that, let me just say, the first day I was in Chiang Mai... I mean, I checked into the room. I threw my stuff down. Oh, it's yeah. like, okay, I got to take a walk. I'm walking down by the one of the walls, because as you know, um, Chiang Mai is an old, old city in the opium triangle of Thailand, Burma, and um, Laos, mm-hmm. right, and... There's actually the old walled in city, which, of course, now has roads cut into it and going in and out. So I'm walking along the wall. I mean, that alone was like blowing my mind. I'm in Chiang Mai now. I'm over northern Thailand. I'm walking down, and I take a look down. And of course, the streets are busy and crazy, and there's bikes and tuk-tuks and people and, you know, just commotion everywhere. And I take a look, and there's an elephant walking down the street with a guy riding his neck. And it's like, now I'm in Thailand. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Then some girl on a scooter Mm -hmm. comes up and all kinds of craziness. You know, there's just people come by and throw all kinds of stuff at you. But anyway, so I I spent a few days there. I had a great time in Chiang Mai. I highly recommend it. I rented a bike and went to the... To the top of Tap, where we went. Oh, you rode a bike up the first time. I rode a bike up the first time. Wow, that's
0: really windy, huh?
1: Oh, yeah, it was really windy. It was a scooter. Um, It was a blast, though. And on the way up, there was all these people outside this shrine, this little um, religious area, because it was already built. Uh, And I remember seeing elephants and zebra statues. Hmm. So I stopped. I got off. I went over. I took a look. See what was going on, but then I went to the top of Doi Sutep, which wasn't as built up as when we went this past summer. Um, oh, you mean with like the food and shops and stuff? And or even that plaza, the very yeah, temple yeah, itself. Yeah. Okay, was kind of wide open, oh, and wow. you could fall off the edge and into the jungle below. Um, they obviously there are more crowds now, and it's right. more built up and stuff like that. So I said, okay, I did a few days there, and I said, well, got to do a trek. I mean, this is what I'm here for. Right. You know, if you want adventure, I mean, I grew up on Tarzan movies. Right. You know, I would say like Indiana Jones and Indiana Jones, (laughs) absolutely. So um, I signed up. I asked my hotel people, and they, of course, had all the information, which, by the way, is a great way to, a great resource wherever you are, as you well know. Um, Your hotel people um, at the front desk and the other people that work there, usually know what's going on, where to get stuff, what to pay, all kinds of great information. And tip them. It's
0: a few dollars American to, oh, to change their absolutely. day. Yeah.
1: Tip them. They deserve it. You can afford it. Right, <laughs> exactly. Know. Don't be cheap. Anyway, so, uh, so they sent me over to this guy, and I signed up for a trek. Now, I was there. That trip was in August, so it was rainy. It was um, off-season, so what they did is different people that signed up in different places all got put together to make one big trek to make it worth their while. Right. And that's what happened. So the next day they, you're only allowed to take a little rucksack. They give you a rucksack. So you really like have essentially like two pair of underwear and right. like a shirt, you know. I mean you can hardly take mm. anything. So we're trekking. We're tra- we're getting ready to trek. So I got my rucksack packed, I'm all excited, it's the crack of dawn. A little open truck pulls up those, kind of like those song towels in, um, in Laos and also in Thailand. They use them as buses, but essentially that's what they were picking us up in. So I, I pile into the back of this truck and there's three English women sitting in the back. One looks Asian and really pretty. Uh, they were all very cute course, I introduced myself. They were very friendly. They introduced themselves. Um, the Asian woman turned out to be my friend, Kim, and we're still friends to this day. And and now you're friends with her. Right. You've met her several times. And her husband, Tim, great people. Awesome, living, people. awesome people. Living in Saigon for 13 years now. Uh, went back to visit them and stayed with them when I went back in 2008 for the first time but that's another story. Um, Anyway, so we make friends, and and she's there with two other girlfriends that I got close to, to, uh, Jen and Zoe, great people. They were traveling around the world for a year. Um, As a matter of fact, their next stop was India, and Mm. at one point, we were all back in Bangkok, and I went with them to the Indian Embassy because they were getting ready for their next leg before I was going home, but that was later on. Because we ended up hooking up at several different points during my trip after this. Uh, and again, our friends to this day, which is awesome. And that's what happens when you travel. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> One of the sweeter parts of it, for sure. Um, just the people you meet and the connections you meet and how it changes you. And, and you change them and all of this stuff. Anyway, so all these other people pile in this two Israeli guys, two Australian girls, and I think we had a group of like 12. They drive us out into the country and as far as the roads go. And then we got off where there was no more road, which was this huge waterfall where we were having lunch. They handed out these styrofoam containers. Um, we all had some sort of lunch. I can't even remember what it was. Not, no big deal kind of food. Um, but I mean, it was okay. And then I kind of peeled off my top and jumped into the waterfall and swam. It's like I gotta do this. As a matter of fact, my friend Kim took a picture of me just standing there with my arms out under the waterfall. It's like ah, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, on that trip, I, I had a lot of. It, it was it was an adventure. I was using it as sort of a vision quest because actually. Before I actually booked my trip, my original plan was to go on a Native American vision quest out west. Mm. I wanted to do some deeper sort of soul searching and and work and stuff like that. Um, so, I, I mean, as you know, when you travel, you know, you could certainly do that just out of your travels. And I was traveling alone, really kind of for the first time on a big trip like this. So... Uh, your fears come up, your insecurities come up, your doubts come up. Also, your power comes out, your, your spirit comes out. It's, I find it's when I really f- kind of feel my fullest in a way. It's almost stifling to come home, but let's not go there now. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so back to Thailand. I don't want to get depressed. (laughs) Right. So we go hiking from this waterfall. And remember, this is rainy season, so Mm -hmm. everything's super muddy. I bought these Vosk-like low kind of boot shoes. Um, hiking shoes, basically. Um, we're slip sliding in the mud, almost like going up the mountain in Laos, uh, hanging on to branches, basically. And you look down and these humongous elephant prints that you're stepping that through. That's so awesome. Oh, it was, it was like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this just this gets better and better, you know. I'm doing it. I'm doing this is great. We hiked all the way to a village. We ended up in the village. I forget which tribe it was. So basically, we spent the next three nights with the Hill Tribe people. Like the
0: Hmong over there, if I'm well, saying that
1: correctly? The, yeah, there's, there's the Red Lao and the Black Lao, oh, I wow. think. I may have that wrong, but the, and the White. and the, There's all the, the Flower something. I mean, there's so many okay. names, I'd have to look it up. But I, f- I think the first one might have been the Red Lao, but I, I'm really not sure. It was a long time ago. They were the nicest, I mean, they were living in squalid conditions and... The kids were adorable <laughs> and, you know, they were playing with these makeshift bow and arrow things and stuff. And basically, we all we all slept in one big hut. It was one room. Um, and they asked us to cook dinner. No, that was the second night. So we all slept in one big room. Um, it was the whole group. Obviously, you get to know people, you get a little friendlier, you get closer, you're in this together for days. And we had two Thai guides and I forget their names, but they were great. The young guys. They were they were awesome. And they were super friendly and they took care of us, but they made it fun. So we got up the next day and that's right. The next day was the elephants. We hiked out of the village after we had like breakfast and got ready and all of this. We hiked down to the river. And this was a way station for elephants, and the elephants were out of town at that point. <laughs> there were no elephants. So we were hanging out, and all of a sudden, you hear, boof, 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 and things are really actually shaking. And a, a line of elephants comes out of the jungle and down into the river. And it's just right out of the movies. I mean, it was blowing my mind. It was unbelievable <laughs> to be doing it. Um, and of course, a lot of people have done that at this point, but it, it was just—you have to do it in person. You have to experience it.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say some people are like, all right, so the the tiger stuff gets a bad rap, and like I guess for a pretty good reason because they're drugged and things like that. And I've seen a lot of people talking about how it's unnatural for the elephants and things like that nowadays because it's such a, right. a big uh, tourist industry to go and see them, and it's they're out of their natural habitat. Uh, but it is, am-
1: <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> at the it's, same time, it is, it's
0: amazing.
1: I, I am torn on it. I mean, at this point, you know, there's a lot more um, discussion of what that's like for the elephants. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I don't know if I'd do that again. But there's still a part of me that wants right. to, because it was just unbelievable it's, to go through. It's gonna
0: sound so dumb, but like you feel this like energy when you're like sitting on top of it. That oh, it it's, blows you it's like away. Majestic, I almost. Mean, it,
1: it is. You well, first of all, you're really high up, right? <laughs> you know, and you're on an elephant, right. you know, in the jungle <laughs> in Asia. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. <laughs> it was. It's just that it, it's such an exciting feeling. Yeah. The way they did it with us is they had and. And of course, now in retrospect, I, I see how this is really not a good thing. But they had a big bench chained to the back of the elephant mm-hmm. and like a blanket over the neck. So one person sat on the nest, neck and two sat in the bench. I was actually in the bench um, with this this other girl. They they threw a bunch of people together, different tracks actually, combined for the elephants when we did this, like other people came out with us. Um, Essentially, when they, after the elephants bathed in the river and all of that stuff went on, which was, that would have been enough, actually, to just see all of that and leave would have been great. But that was, that was just the beginning. So they walk them up to this area that actually has sort of like steps up to a platform and you get up and you get on the elephant. And um, it's not like getting in a car. Right. <laughs> you know, it's a live animal. Um, it's when, moving. <laughs> when one person sits on the bench, it kind of weighs
0: to the side it until does. the other person sits. And you're like, I'm going to
1: fall off the thing." That's right. The, that the bench is moving. The elephant's moving. The elephant's moving against the bench. It's not that thrilled that you're now climbing on its back. And then a guy gets on its neck, which I've since heard is actually not that bad. But uh, for the elephant, I mean. But anyway, so we did. And then they took us in a line. And the mahouts took us through the jungle and we kept crossing the river back and forth so we were going uphill and downhill and uphill when the elephants actually going uphill and downhill you feel like yeah. you're in a plane uh-huh. heading downward or upward it's it's so it's it's freaky. scary yeah. it is scary you feel like you're going to tumble yeah, off yeah you absolutely do <laughs> yeah it's it's wild and the thi- and the elephants doing this step by step by step and they're unbelievably agile. Yep, actually, for all that weight that they're carrying around, them they're, they're stepping really good. And but you you know it's your first time on, and you're wondering like you know something going to go wrong. The elephant slips. I mean, not only do you not want to fall off this thing, you're up how high? Um, you don't want it falling on you either. You know, so you're just hoping nothing goes wrong. They're throwing sugarcane pieces. Uh, chunks of bamboo and chunks of sugarcane in front of the elephant to keep it moving. We spent all day hiking through, well, we weren't hiking, but riding the elephants through the jungle. As a matter of fact, we were almost at the village we were going to stay in that night, and our elephants came face to face with elephants coming the other way. So we were head on. There was an impact. <laughs> an elephant standoff. <laughs> it was an elephant standoff, and there was a lot of busyness with the mahouts trying to figure out how to manage this because uh, it really—it's not like you just move the elephant over, <laughs> you know. Like it was—it was a big deal. Um, it took a while. It was interesting to watch. We eventually, of course, got past there. We get off in the village. This was a bigger village now. It had many huts and tons of people in it, tons of little kids. And we get off the elephants, and they're just running out and screaming and jumping on us and having a great time. And, and, and there's other tro- other trips, other treks there, too. So that was interesting. In a way, it was, it was a blast. I'm really, really glad I had this experience. But even then, I was thinking, well, how is this tourism changing right. the culture and changing the people? Obviously, they're glad to get some money, but it, it does. It kind of screws up the culture ultimately and uh, you know, commercializes it in a way which is really sad and then helps it to disappear or turn it into a theme park,
0: right. which
1: kills the whole adventure. But anyway, back then, we got off. We all, again, stayed in a large hut. And that was the night that um, the guides asked Kim and myself to cook dinner. So we go into the back of this big hut that sort of has a walled-off little kitchen area, which is essentially a pit fire and some stuff on the table. And we both take a look at basically this wooden bowl with a big pigs head sitting in it yes <laughs> and we look at each other and we go "Nah." is I'm that what they wanted this. they wanted you to cook that up well that's what we thought that was the only thing sitting there <laughs> and then we went and got the guides and like and they were laughing like, no 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 that's for the locals no no because essentially we were eating vegetarian on this trip it was all oh, vegetarian okay. which was actually good and i guess cheaper for them you know to supply So we got out of it after our initial freak out. The pig says delicious. (laughs) Those cheeks, man. Yeah, I've heard that. (laughs) I, I would taste it at this point. Back then, I was a little bit less adventurous. Well, especially
0: like out trekking on a trail with no refrigeration or anything like yes, that. Yes, with the maybes. Yeah, <laughs> with the constant right? maybes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> with some cute women there in the middle of the jungle. The last thing I wanted to do was dash <laughs> off <laughs> with, with a lot of tissue, but uh, <laughs> which ultimately you have to do at some point. Yeah. There were no bathrooms. Of course. You know, So everybody ran off in the woods. The next, matter of fact, we had a blast, actually. After we ate dinner, you know, we, we did not eat the pig's head, but after we ate dinner, we were all sitting in a big circle. We're drinking Thai beer. They're breaking out moonshine and things uh, locally, and the kids come out and perform for us, and they were adorable. And, you know, of course, we were throwing them a little money and stuff like that um, at the end just here and there, you know, to, to help them out, but... They were so friendly. They were so warm and fun, and and we just had a blast. Now, the next morning, we woke up, and it was time to shower. The shower was going to the stream on the edge of the village that it was really interesting. They had these bamboo, well, essentially hollowed-out bamboo trees cut at the angle on an end, and one was on a higher part going into a lower part of the stream. So essentially, you stand under the water that's flowing out of the bamboo pole. Um, and it's constant. And it's cold. But it feels good because it's hot out. And you wash up. And as a matter of fact, when I went to wash up, some kid was like just leaving. Yeah. You know, and, and it's like, you know, you only can do it one at a time. So that was, that was fun, too. And then the kids were swimming in a river down below, which I was kind of wondering about the parasites and snakes and things. But we ended up swimming together. I mean, all of us ended up swimming in the river. That was a blast, jumping off these rafts and stuff in this muddy, muddy river in the middle of the jungle. It's like, ah, screw it. If I get something, I get something. What the hell? you know? You're in, how, how many times are you here? Although I've tried to be there as many times as I can since then, but
0: yeah, I'm thinking uh, I'm not. I don't want to go down too big of a rabbit hole here, mm-hmm. but kind of connecting that back to what you were talking about with tourism and the ways things are changing. Yeah, like all those things sound really fun for us, and I wonder if it's fun because like we know that we have something to come back to with like running plumbing and hot showers and things like that. Right. Um. Or if maybe a return to a more natural setting is something that we crave because, we're, I don't know, it's a weird dichotomy.
1: No, and and you bring up some good points there. I mean, actually, when whenever I'm doing this kind of stuff, I'm always very conscious of like one reality versus the other reality Mm. you know i could go home to my shower to my warm apartment uh mostly warm apartment (laughs) you know i have a bed i have a tv whatever you know and certainly have been in many other situations and met many people that live very differently um and i'm not even saying i live luxuriously by any means but compared to them i'm incredibly rich uh, right, and so that, it's, you're always conscious of that sort of split, right, in, in realities.
0: Especially now with social media, because like the knock on it is, oh, I'm going to go to this area, take a picture with these kids who are living in conditions which are like much poorer than mine, and I'm ha- I've got a big smile on my face, I'm having a great time there, and I get to leave, and right, that's still the way they're living.
1: Right, yeah, my my mindset has sort of changed over the years. I try to. Uh, I'm, I mean, that. Tr- I, I mean, I've hiked and camped and stuff and, and doing the stuff in the outside is, is I mean, it's always an adventure, but mm-hmm. it's not like a complete novelty. Right. Uh, but it's always fun. Right. And it's exactly. always great to get back to. And for me, I find it very centering and grounding yeah. to be out in nature and live like Absolutely. that. You know, strip away the extra stuff. And in fact, these trips to Asia, just living out of a tiny little bag mm-hmm. with like nothing but that and an ATM card. Um, it makes it hard to come home. It feels like it's way too much stuff and way too many things to deal with. Right, it's it's way too complicated a life.
0: You've you've gotten more than me, but the the two times I've been to Asia, I had a, a real tough time adjusting coming home.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. It takes well, depending on how long you're there and what you do, of course. But it yeah, it takes weeks. I mean when I went for several months I it took me months and and it was really uh very twilight zoney yeah. <laughs> being between two worlds uh and it always is even this time even knowing to expect it and come back to it um this time when I came back I kind of got thrown into some family stuff so I had to uh I didn't have the luxury of of hanging around and indulging my weirdness for <laughs> as long as I needed to which was interesting too cuz the weirdness didn't go away it just kind of took a different shape and still took a while to wear, wear off but yeah i mean when i'm when i'm doing stuff like that and, and i know you're you're very conscious of this stuff you know you you're thinking about the people and their lives and what you being there means and you're trying not to be you certainly don't want to be the ugly American and you're trying right. not to be the the obnoxious tourist or even the unconscious tourist right like there's a a lot of consciousness in terms of, even what your interaction is doing and, and, you know, where you are and what you choose to do. So there are times where I just like won't take pictures or, right. you know, I don't want to bother people or whatever. And, and And I've learned to just enjoy the interactions for what they are. It doesn't have to be documented, you know. It's not everything is a story to replay for other people, although that's fine if you have the stories, but to be in the moment, just to like kind of be where you are with the person that you're interacting with and enjoy that for what it is, because then it changes. Then you're somewhere else, there somewhere else, and that moment passes, and it's just amazing to make those connections. Right. So I think it really depends on your mindset. Of course, I'm sure you do. I know plenty of people, you know, vacation means you basically take your mindset somewhere else where you could be in luxury, you know, or be relaxing, but it's not a, and that's fine. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with enjoying going away and relaxing. Of course, I've done it, but, um, you know where you take your mindset, and you and you're closed to letting anything kind of affect it or change it or somehow transform you. I'm kind of coming from the other side, right? And I know you like this too. It's like trying to be open to see, connecting, be part of this. <laughs> see what it. I'm looking for this to change me. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know? I, mean, I that's mean, my purpose there. It, that,
0: and that's it, a hundred percent for me too. I mean, so far, so I'm about, this is going to be our seventh episode. Um, And with each one, I've talked about the things that are like the most exciting things that I've done in each of these places, because that makes for the most entertaining listen for anybody who's listening to this. Right. Mm. But when I think like, I think one of the most meaningful, well, there's a few. So obviously like I have people that I'm close with over there now and spending time with them is, you know, one of the most meaningful things I do. But there was a night when, um, I forget when exactly it was, Kevin. Oh, <laughs> I think it was one of the nights I was really sick. But yeah. so you were out because I I could I couldn't go that far from the hotel. Right. And right. I wandered over to that park. Uh, I don't even know the name of it. Um,
1: oh yeah yeah on uh, Fam Lao.
0: Yes. Yeah yeah. And when you go there, there's all these like college kids. I forget the name of that game, but there's, there's kids that are like kicking a shuttlecock. It's kind of like badminton, uh, but they're kicking it. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and the year previous, the year prior when I had gone, I, I found out there were like all these college kids that go there and they want to practice their English and talk to you. And someone would literally come up with like a notebook of words they wrote down. Like, how do you pronounce this? And that that was awesome. Uh, and yeah. so, so this year, like I went there with the like uh, express, like the, the explicit desire to do that and go, talk to some people. So I remember I sat down and I was just writing in my journal and a girl came up to me and she was like, oh, what are you doing? Like, Are you American? Why are you here? And we were chatting and she was telling me that she's in school and she's trying to pull highest marks and things like that. And then she's telling me that she studies German and (laughs) I can speak German like conversationally. I have some family in Germany and I took it for years when I was in school when I was younger. And so I'm sitting in a park in... Saigon talking to a Vietnamese girl in German. Hey, you can't make this stuff up, man. (laughs) And that was just like, I don't know, that was so special to me. And I remember, this is so cheesy, but you haven't heard it yet. I recorded Lao earlier today, so by the time this episode's out, uh, other folks will have heard that. But I was going to talk about the Trump presidency and things like that, and I was like, eh, no one cares about what I say about that. <laughs> You're hearing everyone else in the world talk about it. Right. But I, I got to like the universal, th- what do we all want? Because I remember I was talking to that girl in the park and I said, we were like, oh, right. So like, what are your, what are your long-term goals? And she was like, oh, I just want to be happy. So I was like, oh, okay. Like, what does that look like? And she's like, I don't know, but I just want to live a happy life. Great goal. Right. <laughs> but I don't know. It's, it sounds so simple, but it was—it was kind of profound. Like it took me going to Saigon, sitting there, talking to this local girl in a third language that is both not like uh, common to us in terms of what we grew up with, for her to teach me. Like, oh yeah, like as different as we are, like we're exactly the same.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. That's a great moment, and and very true too. Yeah. Um, the more you talk to people when you travel, the less differences you find. Right. Obviously, there's cultural differences, and everybody's a little different, even here, but everybody wants the same stuff. Right. You know, it was funny when I first went to Vietnam, I was told to go to Vietnam w- during this Thailand trip I'm talking about from many years ago. And my friend had gone briefly, but they were just starting to let some tourists in, and it sounded way too complicated at the time. And I went back in 2008, and I, and I stayed with my friends Kim and Tim. But you know, when I went there, I was in a different mindset, even more so, and kind of looking for a different experience. And the more I met people, the more comfortable I got, no matter where I was, it really didn't matter. People are kind of the same everywhere. Everybody's looking for the same thing. What I really, you know, to, to live life, to connect, to be happy, things like that. But what I really appreciated about Vietnam was there was a certain simplicity in the outlook. And I'm not saying they're simple by any means and they have the same life problems we do and all of that. Um, but they kind of, their outlook on life really kind of affected me. Mm -hmm. in a way and always does and and i know you love it there and home-based traveling is always like gone in or out and there's all these friends we both have and and people we've met and it takes forever to leave because there's all these social obligations (laughs) and goodbyes (laughs) when you're hello's when you get there and Mm -hmm. goodbyes when you leave which is a blast it's another home um and, and it's just awesome. But there's a certain outlook on life, a certain spirituality there that I find very refreshing, and, but, but real, like it touches my soul. It's just that, like you said, this girl said she wants to be happy. I find when we talk here, life gets very complicated usually. Um, if you ask somebody here that, you'll probably get like a long list of things. Or, or a different kind of response, but I don't know. They, ha- they have a way of, of getting to the point. They're very blunt, actually. Yeah, it's true. But they have a way of getting to the point that really just cuts to the heart of the matter, uh, and it skips all the nonsense. You know. And I know exactly I f- what you're talking about. Yeah, I know you do. Yeah. And it's refreshing. I mean, it's actually more real in a way. It's, it's.
0: There's, like, no pretense. There's, like, I'm, I'm just going to tell it how it is. Yeah, and, that's yeah. right.
1: You know what you're dealing with. Um, y- you're not... I mean, not that people aren't complicated over there, too. And right. life is complicated of course, yeah. and all, you know, and they have their own politics and financial issues and the whole bit, you know. I mean, that's everywhere. But when you're one-on-one and you're just hanging out and you're talking to somebody, they're very real. Like... You, you know what you're getting, especially if they're a friend or somebody right. hanging out with. I mean, I'm sure there's people that pull stuff and you know, other nonsense goes down like humans do, but uh, when you're hanging out and you're just relaxing with somebody or interacting with somebody, even the vendors, right? I mean, they'll haggle you to death and you haggle them to death. Oh, crazy! Oh, crazy, understood, <laughs> of course. You know, but when you're done, you're both laughing about it and you make the deal like it's good natured Right. You know, there's a certain appreciation of life there. I love the way they find every meal to be a social event. Mm -hmm. They find it weird with if you eat alone. Actually, when I try when I have traveled alone there, like I've had people say, how could you eat alone? Right. You know, that's weird. I mean they get that's their time to be with friends, with family. I think that's awesome. It's a it's a
0: social obligation. You get together, you, everyone
1: gets beers, you talk, you talk about the day, like that's right. And and of course, you know, it's just so good for you in so many ways. Yeah. You know, but I mean for instance you mentioned crazy when we were staying on on Bui Vien in the backpacker district near Pham Nu Lao in Saigon. Um Ho Chi Minh City. I mean, last year not this summer, but the summer before when we went, I guess 2015, and we met crazy. She was crazy. She she was one of the vendor girls on the street walking around. Called herself crazy. Called herself crazy. She had, she was, they have these things that the cigarette girls used to wear in the nightclubs over here. Like it's a strap hanging from your neck and kind of like a tray right, with just tons of stuff. Excuse me, tons of crap hanging off of trying to sell you all this stuff constantly. And she was such a pain in the ass trying to sell this stuff constantly, harassing every time you walked out of the hotel, walked up and down the street, you're sitting there getting a drink at night, no matter what happened. She's everywhere. She's everywhere. And every time she saw us, she would come over. But for some reason, she really targeted me. <laughs> Just buy this, just buy this, I leave you alone. So of course I had to torture her back. <laughs> so we would go back and forth. And in fact, when we went back this summer after you went home and I went and, and I eventually went back to Saigon, I saw her. Um and she's a friend. <laughs> in a weird way. <laughs> But she was fun, but oh, man, she would harass us every moment. <laughs> she she would chase us down. You gotta buy something. You gotta buy something. It's like, oh no, there's nothing you got that I need.
0: Ended up buying
1: something. Yeah. Oh first me time. too. <laughs> I got two money clips. Right. I like, uh, what this am I year this? I got this foldable scissor. <laughs> 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 um, I mean, it, it was it was just fun, basically. Haggling with her and her getting upset and threatening to cut body parts off of me. <laughs> oh yeah, I cut your thing. <laughs> like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> but she would smile and joke. You know? It's just all part of the the experience. It's fun. I was actually disappointed when I went back to Saigon after you got in that. Uh, I, I was looking for her for a couple of days. <laughs> I wanted to see her. And then finally right. I saw her. It was like, ah, oh, good. You know, now that part of my trip is complete. <laughs> I missed her. <laughs> and she remembered too. She did. She did. And she'll remember next time. Yes, she will. <laughs> and she'll be there.
0: <laughs> All right, Kevin, Guess guess how long we've been talking. I
1: have no idea.
0: This is by far the longest we've done so far. We're about an hour and a half in. Really? So I think...
1: I could do this for elves.
0: <laughs> well, I think I'm gonna have to have you back. Mm. Because Okay. For starters there's so much more to talk about. But also I've got a bunch of trips planned coming up. You have some stuff coming up too and yep, we're gonna yep. have more, be more stories for you. <laughs>
1: oh yeah. Look forward to it. Awesome. Thanks for coming on. Oh and thank you so much, Tim. This was a blast.
0: Two hours hanging with you. Vietnamese friends. Oh likewise. Yes. To our Vietnamese friends, <laughs> yes. uh Or friends that are living in Vietnam, Tim, Kim, Sam, um, Lynn, Chuk, Chuk. um, and Hian. Yep. We love you guys, and
1: we will be back soon. And thank you. Miss you guys. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kev. Thanks so much, buddy. Thanks, Tim. Take care.